Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. Just actually enjoying life now that uh, we don't have to be stressed out for the next, you know, five days as we watch, you know, another team go and do their own painful streak towards the Stanley Cup. Um, You guys, the hockey season's over for the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, first and foremost, welcome back, Brady and Ted. Um, Ted, you're, you're you're looking pretty good. You're looking very well rested. Um, Brady, you also look like you've just had 12 hours of sleep and you're absolutely ready to go for probably a four-hour podcast. Ted, um, can you agree with me on what I believe that I'm seeing right now? Brady looks fresh. He looks so fresh and so clean. He's like some kind of Vancouver version of Macklemore right now. He's got that hard fade uh, and the solid hair. Brady's a handsome guy. We're, uh, he definitely brings the overall average of this podcast up, I think. He's, he's done well for himself. Well done. Well done. Yeah, I got a face for radio, eh, guys? <laughs> Ryan, what happened with you this weekend? I, there's some story about uh, Rocket getting into some icing sugar, you were saying? Okay, so it was my birthday weekend-ish, kind of. Happy birthday. Was, yesterday was my birthday, thank you. Um, and then it was our my youngest. Uh, it was her birthday today, so we have a pretty cool you know, set up 37 and seven. So we followed the years. It's really awesome. Very special thing is father, daughter, the deal. Anyway, so uh, we did a cake for her birthday and the girls used the rest of the butter icing, chocolate butter icing, which is delicious um, to make cupcakes. That's my thing. I like having cupcakes. I don't need a cake because it gets, once you start getting into your late thirties, as some of you younger people will eventually find out, and I'm not saying I'm old by any means, but things start to catch up with you. And uh, I, uh, cupcakes are just fine. Anyway, our golden retriever decided to eat one of these. Uh, what are they called again? The, the cupcakes, pi- pi- piping bags. Um, oh, full oh. of, full of uh, buttercream. Um, and uh, yeah, um, he's pretty much crapped all over the yard today, um, <laughs> in great, great amount. So, uh, needless to say, uh, we. No rocket. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, at least rocket made it outside. You know what? I'm going to give him mad props because we all go to work and and everything for the day. So uh, he was cooped up and didn't manage to make a mess of what I have seen our previous dogs do. Um, So, yeah, actually mad props to him for for waiting till we got home. So, you know, got to give him credit there. So, um, yeah, that was that was kind of the gross story of the week. And then uh, our youngest, she's had two wiggly front teeth. So uh, 
finally popped out the last one tonight, so she will be uh, asking for two new ones for Christmas this year. What uh, what is the tooth fairy rollout for bank at your house? Well, the the second kid is we've we've had to pump up and keep the keep the dream alive. So I think the tooth fairy um, banked out about three bucks for the one two days ago, and uh, I'll see. We'll have to see what what's left for change in in her her bag of tricks uh, for tomorrow morning. <laughs> do you pull do you pull the the tooth fairy money from her own no 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 not not <laughs> not for this kid <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie it may or may not have happened once <laughs> hey you gotta do what you gotta do you don't plan for that stuff you don't keep small change around especially thank during you. the covids thank you thank you have i ever told you guys about how i lost my two front teeth i would love to hear this brady please share hey i was spitting chiclets like literally uh Five years old, maybe maybe six. Um, my closest friends are playing hockey out in the in the front in the front area of my house there at my apartment, and uh, I'm eating a bag of Skittles. And I'm right, I'm standing right behind the goaltender, my, my <laughs> best buddy Blake, and he wind up just slap shots the uh, the ball down the road, and when his swing is coming up, he whacks me right in the front teeth. Teeth go everywhere. I start crying. Next thing I next thing I know, I'm at the hospital with ice on my face. And uh, but you know, I got a lot more than a couple bucks from the tooth fairy. I actually got like two jumbo packs of popsicles. So you know, not quite worth it. But uh, yeah, it's just too, I uh, just too the swelling. Oh, yeah, man. and it was uh, I had a I had a hole there for probably a good six months <laughs> to a year because my other teeth weren't ready to come in. So it's anyone hey, who ended up so handsome. I got into a curling the Briar commercial with uh, with no front teeth because of that. That's right. Oh, yeah. We've talked about this before, so you've come full circle now on this. Yeah, and I got and I got two two nice front teeth now. You know, I've been using that uh, you know that crest whitening lately. So. And you, so big curling family, obviously, we haven't really talked a whole lot about this, but your dad actually curled for, for Team BC, right? Well, yeah, he's, he's curled for BC a few times, but actually he won uh, World Juniors back in 1985. So he's a world champion, um, and he's actually coached uh, a few uh, few teams now. He was at the uh, Olympics in 2016, or no, twenty yeah, 2016 Olympics. He was, oh, wait a second. Yeah, no, 2018. Was it 2018 Winter Olympics? Probably. It could have been one. Yes, yes, 2018. <laughs> it was 2018 he coached, uh, he coached Korea. No kidding. Coach yeah. that's, Korea. That's crazy. Yeah, man. He's, so, a, yeah, Bob he's a good Ursel, dad. Bob Ursel <laughs> pedigree. Yeah, way to Bobby. go. Clearly you what got do? He doesn't look like a curler. He looks like a scary individual, like, a, like some sort of MMA fighter, not a guy you'd want to mess with. <laughs> totally nice guy, though. Totally Super nice, nice guy. Everybody loves Bob. I haven't met Bob, but it sounds he sounds great. And if he's a curler, I mean that's about as Canadiana as you get. So great dude, super cool guy. So um, the Canucks they lost, they lost to the Vegases. And uh, I, I guess quick question before we get into uh, the topic at hand: like, are you guys like, are you relieved or are you upset that uh, it's over? Let's maybe start with you, Brady. I mean, of course, I'm upset that the playoff runs over, but uh, we got we got more than we expected we ever would. Um, Thatcher Demko, you know, stole the show for three games. He brought the uh, he brought all he could into Game Seven, but unfortunately, 
the rest of the team was out of gas. Yeah. And that was expected. So, you know, all in all, I'm, I'm a really happy camper as a Canucks fan this year. And I'm, I'm excited for the future already. Nice. Ted, what, uh, how, how are you feeling? Are you relieved that it's over or you still think, uh, it, it still hurts or what, what are you feeling? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was a Brady kind of hit the nail on the head there. Right. I mean, it was a, it was an overachieving team. Right. So when your team overachieves and you're not in the final, it's always this expectation of, or this feeling afterwards of like, Oh, that was, that was a great run. But like, I, we didn't know how long it was going to last and they did better than we thought. And, um, you know, Brady, you mentioned this, the squad being out of gas. I mean, I feel like that offense was out of gas for like almost the whole playoff, save for a couple of games there. Right. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, I think there's sort of a lot of guys coming, coming alive at important times that, um, that we really needed to. I mean, they, they, they answered a lot of questions. PD is for real, like for real, for real. And in the same breath, you can mention Bo Horvat. Uh, and I think there's some questions that still remain for for Brock, but he showed a level of grittiness to score some goals down low that that sort of hint that maybe it's not uh, fully realized yet. Um, then obviously the Thatcher Demko story, I mean, we, we, we could we could still see that Jacob Markstrom also was for real. You know, that 18 month high of a goaltending circus that he's put on the last little bit was really fun to see. But I think what I carried most of all out of this was this team's window opened sooner than I thought players on this roster arrived ahead of expectation more so than I thought. And it just makes me think more now than ever that there is some glaring warts on this roster that need to be scrubbed away so that we can give the players that are here that are contributing a, a chance to win, win something because there's some pieces in here that could probably give us that cup. Absolutely. I think for me it was, and I, I kind of said this, I think after we won game five, and I kind of said that, you know what, everything, you know, one more win would be great and anything else is gravy, right? And I think you guys both hit in different ways that this was. This was a run that I don't think any of us really expected. I think the play-in was a bonus based on how, you know, no one expected COVID. So going into the play-in was kind of fun because we got that first feel of playoff hockey and, you know, weren't sure if that was official playoff hockey and then they won. And then they go into St. Louis again, you know, that series kind of went a little bit differently than maybe we thought. And at the same time, probably exactly how it should have gone, but the Canucks were able to stick it out and whether St. Louis wanted to be there or not, they still played their asses off and, you know, the Canucks go and take that series. So then they get Vegas, you know, they get absolutely just laughed out of the building in game one, respond in game two, you know, get beat a couple more times where we're thinking, okay, I, I hope this isn't over. Then they, a goaltending change, all of a sudden things change a little bit. They get the goals that they need to keep it going. And then you're right, they, they do run out of gas in game seven. But I mean, this was such an awesome run to watch. I, I think there's still a long way to go because clearly, you know, it wasn't even defense. I was listening to 1040 today and like the Canucks really weren't even playing defense. They were just playing like make sure we don't die on the ice. It was a, a rope-a-dope. It, yeah. it was like they weren't trying to score. They were just making sure the puck didn't go in, and that's not even really defense at that point. That's just self-preservation. And uh -huh. I think uh, at the same time, they did a really good job of that. And I think we also saw, like you guys said, as far as the goaltending goes, that is going to be a huge conversation um, that needs to be had. And 
I don't know what that ultimately looks like. But um, I mean, for me, I, I am a little bit relieved because I think uh, I, I don't know if I could have handled that kind of stress. Game seven was uh, I, I don't even know how many times I actually exhaled. Um, I think I inhaled once and and then I don't remember when I started breathing again because that game, it was just too much. I mean, one the first goal was six minutes left to go in the game. I can't handle that. And uh, if you guys saw the Raptors game tonight, um, they managed to to pull it off and, and force a game seven. Similar kind of scenario, but there's a lot more talent on that team. They could still hang around. So um, I, I, I'm a little bit relieved. I think the Canucks know what they need to do to reload now, hopefully. Um, and now we get to be in the fun part, a little bit delayed and, you know, free agency, the draft and everything that goes with that. Yeah. I mean, before we kind of dive into what we need to do in the off season, um, you know, I was kind of, you know, watching that game, like clearly, clearly Vegas was the better team. They're better at every position, maybe arguably not goaltending, but they made, they made the Canucks look like boys playing men. Um, but even then, like with the, with the chances we were getting, I was, I was stuck wondering, like, I don't know if it's just a, what if, and you can't really, you can't really, you know, live your life that way. But what if the Canucks had more rest? What if they didn't play five games in seven nights? You know, would we be seeing a different result? What if Brock Besser scored on that two on one, you know, um, is that game changed? So, I mean, the Canucks, you know, obviously they played great and they had their chances. And I mean, I think as a Canucks fan and at, this, at a standpoint um, for what the season was supposed to be, we have to be happy with what we got. And the Canucks, you know, they played well. You know, it's so. beauty. We live off those what ifs and we have for as long as I've been a fan. So it's just one more scenario of what ifs. But you know what? They're the, they're the what ifs that I think we're OK with letting go and. There's always going to be something, I think. So until they win, we're going to have something to look back on. But, you know, that that glove save from Leonard on Besser or... Oh, my. Like, you, I think, you can't fault the guy. That was probably, like, that was highway robbery. I think he earned a new contract with that save. <laughs> he might have. He might have. Yeah. And I think, I don't think they get past Dallas. I thought they might have, but I think Dallas would rule them either way, so... Yeah, and a potentially uber ballsy move by DeBoer to go back to Leonard too, right? I mean, there was a bunch of interesting stuff in that series that took place. Um, and I think Luongo, Luongo sent a, a good tweet earlier saying, like, you know, tough to tough to want to go back to Leonard in this one. He would have had to make the the sit the night before so that if Flurry plays bad, you can always go back to Leonard. You can't do it the other way around in game six, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, tons of interesting stuff. And uh but that's the playoffs right guys i mean you you get there and you really don't know what you're gonna get it's gonna it could be a complete mixed bag you don't know what version of your team is gonna show up the whole idea is to punch a ticket to the dance and then you never know what happens once you get there Um, but i really felt like watching them play vegas that there strangely was a chance even though you were being outshot like we'll just say 45 to 20 or something like that right yeah um on on the whole on the average but you felt like you had a chance if you could keep the puck out of the net because there was really there was a a one shot score on every single line so the fact that they had that uh and they still have those pieces now i think really bodes well for the the future um can i ask you guys a question so i know brady you had a couple that you wanted to get to quickly so what we saw against Vegas, and you go forward, if you look at what they need to improve on next year, like would Vegas be a t- like that? 
how, how do I say this? Would they be kind of that uh, that benchmark, that that measuring bar of what it's going to take to go all the way, or do you think they need even more than that? Like, is Vegas the team that they can now say this is what we're going to have to do to further ourselves and go deep, or do you think they need even more beyond beating a team like Vegas? Like, is there a team that they ultimately have to feel like this is a team we need to be able to beat in seven games after? playing another three rounds like is are, is vegas the team or is there a different team that you think they need to uh you know to try to model themselves to beat no i think you're i think we talked about it like a few weeks ago we talked about how vegas felt kind of like the new chicago blackhawks of like 20 like 2009 2010 2011 and you know the canucks didn't beat chicago by being the same model as chicago right and and i think the same thing kind of goes in this scenario but there are there are things in Vegas's game that, that Vancouver can definitely learn from. I mean, I think overall in the top six, the Canucks had the better skill. Um, and they have the, like possibly the better defenseman at Hughes. Like Theodore played really well. But for me, it came down to the bottom six. Like the bottom six for Vancouver was an absolute no show. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the physicality to match. I mean, we try like we, we could have with Michael Ferland, but we know what happened there. Um but honestly, it made me think a little bit about, uh, you know, how how badly the Canucks were kind of rumored to be after Wayne Simmons. And after watching that series, it kind of made a little bit more sense to me. Um, but also on top of that, uh, one thing I really noted was that the Canucks, it was well, the worst things about their game was the fact that they couldn't transition the puck up the ice fast enough. They didn't really have a player who was confident enough to be able to get that first pass off. And that's honestly where I think someone, a guy like Ole Olevi could really uh, could really step in and help with something like that. I mean, he might not be the answer right away, but the Canucks, the Canucks need to find another defender, preferably on the right side for next year, that can help transition like the puck up the ice and, and bring more speed to the Canucks. I think they're handcuffed too with that, that they, like you could see Hughes wanted to be that guy and they were just handcuffing. It was kind of like, you know, we brought up a little while ago that looking off uh, Edler, looking off Besser, it's, or the how they just utilize that draw pass so much. When you you do, they have guys that can bring it up the ice, but they've implemented a system where that slingshot still needs to be relied upon. And a guy like Hughes has proven he can get past that line by himself. We've seen PD do it. We've seen JT Miller do it. Um, they they have guys, but you're right. I think having another defenseman to um to bring the play up and have guys that can also enter the zone um it looks a lot different in the regular season than it does in the playoffs i think they could easily do that over the course of 82 games win or lose but in the playoffs there's only so many games to play you only get so many chances to make sure that you capitalize and you know they they went away from a game that was working for them that five minute power play is uh you know kind of the microcosm uh, of the entire season. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we can get to the point where we could win, but we still can't do anything when we're given the opportunity. So, yeah, and just to quickly add to that as well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure if you guys heard this, but I, I heard through Twitter and through a couple sources that apparently Quinn Hughes was pretty banged up. He was, I heard he was playing through a possible knee injury and an ankle injury. I heard he was getting treatments about three times a day. Hmm. Oh, well. Well, there you go. If, if Quinner was banged up and he was doing what he was doing, then... I mean, hats off to him and the level of toughness that is required to battle through a long series like that. And a team that's consistently keying on a single defender and not only keying on them, but has the skaters that can actually get to him too, right? I mean, 
uh, all those years when when Vancouver was 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 at war with Chicago, it was always like, oh, key in on Duncan Keith, right? Well, easier said than done, right? You can't just go land a hit on Duncan Keith. It's Duncan Keith. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, Ryan, I mean, I I think like yeah, it's 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 pretty obvious to me that as far as the West, um, that Vegas is the the mold. And it's a copycat league, right? I mean, teams were trying to build their their team with with center depth and 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 big defenders and mobile defenders like what Chicago had over the over the years, right? And and a, and a strong power play. And then when LA was winning, it, it went straight to size, right? I mean, the teams got big, and it was I mean, really they were the original darlings. I feel like of, of possession analytics hockey, right? That team dominated in every single area as far as analytics went, and so it kind of changed the mold of how rosters were built and uh, you know boston another big team with with some high scoring wingers and and center depth again right and center depth will always be a thing uh but the fact that there is a number one and there's a number two here uh and there's a number one defender um really gives them some pieces that it doesn't matter what way you want to play it as long as they support them with the proper guys whatever way they want to go for it uh, then they can do it. And building like Vegas is going to be hard because there's so many good second and third line players on that squad. Because even the fourth line players could be third line players. Yeah. Um, and that's what happens when you when you build through the draft, not the draft with the through the the um, the expansion draft like that. You're afforded that opportunity. Yeah, you're getting you're uh, getting gonna season have to guys, do, right? Yeah, you're, they're going to have to do some some smart things here in terms of of make the right decision when it comes to contracts and who to let go and who to walk and who to keep that's affordable. Um, so I guess it just comes down to, you know, does this management group have the chops to do that? Because they know, we know they can scout, right? The, 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 the pro scouting has been suspect at times and there's been some home runs as well, but we need more consistency on the whole, I think from this group. Um, and I'm not sure if you guys agree on that, but that would probably be my assessment. Yeah, definitely. I think just to add to that, though, Ted, in a, in a bit of an argument, and I mean, obviously we haven't seen these guys play at the NHL level yet, and we're not really sure what this team's going to look like in a year, in a year and a half, but we do have depth coming up, and we're going to we're gonna be filled with some pretty good talent when we have Vasily Podkolzin and hopefully Nils Hoglander jumping into the third and second lines, hopefully. Um, so, I mean... That's just a bit of an argument there. I think maybe when that'd be a good window for us to be able to kind of match a depth, maybe like Vegas, but obviously time will tell. And right now it's a little early. I just want yeah, to- I think Puck Puck Wilson's a really good pick there, and I think he is the type of player that you would see on a Vegas roster. I really do think that I might hundred percent agree on that. I don't know what what Hoglander is going to bring if he's going to slot into a second or third line. I think whether I mean he's really going to have to push somebody out of the way to make that happen. Uh, and there's tons of players on this roster I think can be pushed out of the way. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it might not be up to us. Who, uh, and it's obviously not up to us. And and I think that we do have a lot of pieces that are going to be valuable. I think my question was sort of like, do we think this management group is going to make the right decisions in those in those cases? Yeah. Right. We'll find out, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find out probably. We're gonna, we'll find out. That Guaranteed. That'll happen one or another. Um, Brady, you had a, I think a question about good point though, B my question. Uh, oh yeah. I, I it's kind of like dudes and guys, but I guess we could kind of just go over the whole playoff in general. I was just curious about who you guys thought maybe surprised you the most and maybe someone who, who kind of failed in, at the expectations you had for them. Hmm. Um, 
I would say, and and I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I think Tyler Mott surprised me probably the most. I think we knew what we had in him, but we've never seen him in the playoffs. And I think he proved that he was a lot more valuable in crunch time situations, in high danger scoring chances, than uh, you know than than we realize his you know the little dipsy doodle on the the shorty um, against St. Louis. There was there were some impressive plays from Tyler Mott right through that entire run, and uh, he he earned a contract. I know people are gonna say, well, I was arguing with a guy on Twitter about uh, they're kind of saying like you can do it cheaper and you know better with you know than Mott. At the same time, yeah, you're right. But you know what? You've already seen what Tyler Mott brings. You know that you can get him at a pretty respectable cap. It I'm sure like the guy's not exactly gonna be making second line money. But you also know that you don't have to retrain a guy to your system. You don't have to ask him to do anything. You already know what he's going to do for you. You already mm-hmm. know what you're going to get out of Tyler Mott. He is as advertised, and he's going to bring a few extra things to the table. Um, you know, on a game-to-game basis. You know, you might not see him game in and game out as an absolute dynamo. But when it really matters, if there's a game where you need him to step up as a third line guy or as a PK, like there's going to be a game where, you know, maybe it's against Boston next year or, you know, maybe there's going to be a key game against Vegas again or Edmonton or whatever. Like, you know, he's the kind of guy you can rely upon for some big minutes in crunch time to make sure that your stars like Petey and Besser and Foley or whoever is there, um, you know, get the rest that they need to come back and slingshot and hopefully, you know, pull your team in the league. So for me, I think uh, even though he was a pretty obvious star out there, I don't think we realized what we actually had in Tyler Mott until this playoff run. So he would be probably my my su- surprise guy. Question. Uh, so I agree that seven. No, um, I agree that Tyler Mod is obviously he's earned a he's earned a contract. I, I, I uh, he was more than I thought he was going to be, and he's probably a more effective player in the playoffs than he is in the regular season. I don't know if you guys would agree with that or not. Yeah. What do you think a, a reasonable contract is for Tyler Mod? I mean, you can't break the bank on a guy like this. He's got to make respectable money. What does a fourth liner make that has that skill set that plays on your PK? Well, I think for sure, I mean, he's definitely been noticed by by uh, other teams. But I, I believe he's still in RFA status. But uh, I think he has arbitration rights. But I believe for a guy like him, obviously, you don't want to you don't want to overspend like Benning has done with Roussel and Beagle and Sutter. Um, but I think. For me, he definitely earns two years, maybe three. I don't think you want to go any further than that uh, just to kind of keep him hungry. Um, but I think you're looking at, if it's two years, you're looking at a shade under $3 million total. Hey, it's Ryan from the PP1 Podcast on Cryer Media. If you're looking for a spot to advertise your company, your brand, your cheese wheel, some beer, maybe some donuts, this is the spot. Reach out to me via DM on Twitter or Instagram at always94, and I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Worst case scenario, we just become best friends. And how awesome does that sound? So a mil and a half. That's what I was saying. I was going to say. Mil and a half. 1.3 yeah. to 1.5. 1.5 th- max. I think they could get him at even, I mean, who knows if $100,000 is going to matter, but, um, you know, 1.4 even. 
1.4 just i mean pennies are going to matter i think in the flat cap so yeah that's exactly what i was thinking i don't know what the term would be i think they really need to keep terms short for a lot of these players coming up because they're they're you know you can stretch out but in markstrom's going to be a guy we'll talk about too and i really don't like the fact that they may give him mega term uh, for a guy they may not want in you know three to four years from now maybe in the next two to three but for mott yeah like one to two years probably two i think he's earned that i think he's earned his keep um, but yeah, a mil and a half, I would, I would offer up for sure. Yeah. See, I feel like I, I just have a hard time, even though I love Tyler Mott, I have a hard time paying a guy more than a million dollars to play on my fourth line, even if he is working on the PK. And if his, his name's not Tyler Mott and he's somebody else, like say a William Lockwood who yeah. plays yeah. a lot like Tyler Mott and could maybe do the same job at like an $800,000 base salary. I mean, would you guys be okay with something like that? I mean, we're watching Vegas roll by and we just talked about sort of copying that mold or doing our best to copy that mold. And they have dudes like, you know, William Carrier or Thomas Nosek skating around making a fraction of what somebody like Roussel makes. Um, and even less than the 1.5 that we're sort of imaginary giving Mott. So I, I think there's going to be some tough calls. And I think maybe that's the question I was asking later. Is this management, this management regime going to make those tough calls and if so and we ask a player like Mott to stick around at 1.5 what what are we taking from to make that happen and 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 I like Mott don't get me wrong but I think that it's got to be for me even though he might deserve more probably it has to be less than that and I'm curious whether or not he would take that I'm not even sure what arbitration would give him honestly because it wasn't like he had a monster season I'm not sure how much he was hurt. He was hurt quite a bit this year too. So yeah, and that factors in, right? So maybe mill two. Or maybe that's three. the way to go. I'm not sure. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I what think... about you? What about you, Ted? Sorry, I, I was go just ahead, I was just gonna add quickly. Um, I think the main thing for a lot of these guys is you have to decide which one of those guys, when they're getting their raises, which one of these guys do you see as a guy that you don't want to replace in the fact that. Yeah, you could get him. You could get that similar player cheaper, but then you got to start all over again. And now you're going to maybe take a step back in a role that you know on a fourth line. Like, yeah, you absolutely have to scoring in your top two lines, but you also have to have a pretty solid fourth line. Unfortunately, they've already overpaid for that, so they're going to have to figure out a way to to remedy that. But you're right. I I would like to see you know someone take that at a at a, a lesser cap hit and somebody that you don't have to put in, but. We, they proved they had to rely on that. And I don't think they're at the point now where they can roll four lines yet, uh, maybe in a regular season game, but the playoffs is where it really matters. So, yeah, I mean, it's always about getting cheaper and making sure you can fit as much talent into that roster. But, you know, m there's there's a few other players that I think have a little bit shinier names that I think uh, they can make a trade and clear up some space. The downside is you're getting rid of somebody just to make cap it. You're not really gaining anything. You're you're not going to get something better in return. So um, yeah, but in a, in a funny way, if you're trading the right guy, it's almost like we are getting more. I think there's players on this team that are wearing weigh, weighing us down more than they're actually having a positive impact on the team. But on top of that as well, just with the whole Tyler Mott thing, I do want to say out of all the restricted free agents on this team. I believe he's the one that deserves a contract extension the most. That's fair. Ted, Ted, who is your surprise guy though? Um, like surprise in a good way. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it doesn't, I didn't really get <clears throat> contact from that Brady. So, um, uh, either way, I think, you know, I was, I was, uh, really surprised at, at 
Horvat's chops in the playoffs. Um, just the level that he was at from like a like a goal scoring wide, like uh, being able to match up, uh, you know, against against checking lines, not just having to take on the other team's you know opposing defending line that whole time. Uh, I'm sorry, I had scoring line the whole time. He wasn't deployed as a defensive center. He was deployed as an offensive offensive center, looking really good on the power play. Um, you know, being able to take over games at certain parts. I mean, uh, as advertised, extremely strong on the dot, except for that one game <laughs> in Vegas. But I mean, his game for as consistent as Bo is game in and game out. I mean, he, I feel like he dialed it up to another level. And I think we were all probably hoping to see that from Bo uh, come playoff time. And I feel like we all thought Bo was going to be a playoff, you know, a, a playoff type player, just that body type and, and the game that he plays and sort of leans on people down low. Uh, you know, but those toe drags were working. Uh, smart, heady player. Uh, and I feel like really stepped up from an offensive standpoint. Uh looking exactly like you would need a second line player to look in future playoff runs. So if future bow looks like that in the playoffs, I'll be pretty happy. Brady, who surprised you? And I would say good or bad. Who was, who was your surprising player? His mic. You're on mute, buddy. His, his, he's on mute. Whatever you say, we're going to miss. Honestly, I thought uh, Patterson was pretty surprising. He he played a lot better than I expected him to. Uh, really, really proved to me that he is the real deal in this NHL. Uh, I think he has the capability to be, you know, a top five center, like hands down. Now, I mean, he he was phenomenal. Um, unfortunately, he didn't show up in either game six or seven. And by show up, I mean get on the score sheet. But um, he played a big role in in game six, but wasn't the best in game seven. Um, but also another guy that surprised me a little, uh, looking at the stat sheet here in front of me, um, in a, in a, in a bad way, honestly, uh, is Adam Goddett, uh, 10, 10 games played zero points. Um, and for a young kid getting inserted into the lineup, who's supposed to bring energy to the team and add some scoring punch. Uh, he was, he just, he failed in my eyes. I'd love so. to keep talking about that if we could. I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, go, go ahead and jump on it, man. Go for it. I just, uh. Man, a lot of shit being slung. A lot of shit being slung, Jake Furtanen's way. Um, about not looking impactful and not doing anything out there. And I can't wait till Jake Furtanen's traded. Uh, had three goals in the playoffs. Scored some some important goals in the playoffs. Uh, was deployed anywhere from the first to the fourth line. Averaged about seven minutes a night. Very close to one Adam Gaudet. Uh, in terms of deployment. But other than until this very moment, Brady, I haven't heard almost anything about people dumping on Gaudet. And we're talking about a player who is the same age, who had a similar amount of points over the course of the year, who is relied upon offensively because he doesn't do much defensively. He's supposed to grow into that role a little bit. Um, but Jake doesn't hurt you defensively and and has the chops to play on a, on a first line. Uh, and play on a fourth line, which not a lot of guys on this team can do. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys that can do that, right? So yeah, he makes sort of bonehead plays from time to time. We're we're all very aware of those things, right? But he also has that one-shot scoring ability uh, that a guy like Gaudet right now doesn't, right? And and we're not talking about some developmental prospect in Gaudet. We're talking about a guy who's literally the same age as Jake. Um, so 
it's less to do about Jake having a bad playoffs that everybody's dumping on him and more to do about what you said, Brady. Not a lot of people are talking about how how non-impactful or how much of a non-factor Adam Gaudet was during this playoff round. So uh, really good kudos to you, man, for recognizing that because that's, that's, that's definitely something I think that not enough people are paying attention to. Yeah. I mean, looking over the stats some more, it's, it's almost, you could, you can pretty much pick whoever player you want in the bottom six besides Tyler Mott. Um, The series was very much top six or nothing. All the Mm -hmm. points came inside the top six and even on defense. I mean, it was Quinn Hughes or, or maybe a little bit of Alex Edler, but beyond that um, the depth just wasn't there offensively for this team to succeed. And honestly, they, they got a lot further than, than they should have with uh, with team play like that. They were they were basically filling roles at that point. They're just filling spots, yeah. carrying ice time. So, I, I mean, I, I I'm of the mind right now, and we'll save this for maybe in a second or two. But um, knowing that Godet is going into his RFA status and he's got 10.2, which means I don't think he can go to arbitration. Is that how that works? No, he's not. He doesn't have arbitration rights. So, I mean. You don't want to lose guys, and I don't think uh, I don't think that's the way they should go. At the same time, you know, is it something that they go the Ben Hutton route with Gaudet and just realize, like, listen, we have other guys that are. Uh, let me finish, and then you can crap all over me if you like. <laughs> is is he a guy though that they're gonna wait it out and do the same you know progression model as they gave Jake and like wait and see, wait and see, wait and see? We're gonna talk about him and how he's failed us, and then he scores eighteen goals. But Godet, like, does he bring that that same potential that Jake brought, or is he a guy that potentially you can trade his rights to, or like, what would you guys do? I mean, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a situation where they just decide to walk away from Godet. Um, and the difference in that with Vertanen, I don't think they walk away from Vertanen either. But it's the difference is Vertanen has had he's going into his seventh season next year. And Gaudet's coming off, what is it? Is his first or second kind of full year with the team? Um, and I mean, if, if he, he obviously has more to show and more to prove, uh, this was his first playoff in the NHL. Um, but I mean, if you could package him in a deal, he's definitely, he's definitely a player that the Canucks might look at moving. He, he's, he brings a lot of offensive abilities uh, in the regular season. And I mean, he's young enough to to maybe You're catch the Jake? eye. No, I'm talking about Godet. Oh, Godet. Okay. And he, um, I think he would have the ability to maybe catch the eye of another team with with you know with added obviously players to the trade. So I mean, I just don't see a scenario where they just simply walk away from Godet. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't. I think they. I don't think they feel like they've got a player who's realized their potential yet. I think he's trending upwards. I mean, ultimately, he's still a guy who who can play center, even though they sort of deployed him lately as a winger. Um, I don't know. I don't think his. I've talked about this a lot. I don't think his future in the NHL is as a center. Uh, but it's nice that he has that sort of pedigree where he could play it in a pinch. But maybe the fact that he's a center attracts, uh, you know, a certain kind of buyer. Um, I don't know. I think that it's pretty obvious to me that that Gaudet or Vertanen are going to be some kind of sweetener because that's what this management team thinks they are, right? Um, but I I do 
and I know you just asked this question, do they just walk on him and stuff like just to just to provoke an answer? So I know I know that you don't think that's gonna happen, obviously. Um, but you got it, but you gotta, yeah, you you provoked for sure. I don't at the moment with the whole trade thing, I'm annoyed that you know that Benning is out there popping off saying stuff like, Yeah, he didn't really he didn't impress me. I thought I wanted more from Vertanen in the playoffs. Like <laughs> No, nope, bro. If you're that. if you're gonna trade a guy, don't maybe don't show the whole world your hand, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe be happy about the 21 goals that he scored for you on the season. Maybe be happy about the sides that he could be deployed anywhere from the first to fourth line and play in your second unit part. Why don't you talk up the fact about how good your player is before you look at dealing him? That's just to me, that's just asinine. I don't that. Why say something like that? Just like why why hitch your wagon to saying I'm, I'm, I am locking up Merkstrom. We're going to get a deal done. Why say that? Yeah. You play like, all your cards. There, there's no, there's no advantage whatsoever to showing it. When is showing your hands ever done? Anybody is all a solid. I mean, maybe that's a stupid question. I'm sure there's, there's scenarios where that's the case, just, but just this wait, seems wait, like wait. GM one Oh one to not do something silly like that. I was just showing my hands. Did, did that do anything for you guys? <laughs> Jazz <laughs> hands, baby. Jazz hands. I, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like Goddard staying and Vertanen's the one to go, just based on those comments. But silly comments to make, in my opinion. So let me add to that then. I Even if he did feel that way. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So let let me ask this question then, just as a follow up. Um, why are we so stuck on keeping Jake or Goddard or both? Like, why why do we have to keep these guys? I get Jake scored his goals. Like, he's he's essentially now becoming a perennial, you know, fifteen to twenty goal scorer, and that's great. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, if it's if we're not talking about the Canucks, who cares? Like, I I, I think Jake's been great, but who really cares about Jake Vertanen? Or Adam Gaudet. Like, why do we have to hitch our wagon to these specific two guys? Like, are they going to change the Canucks? Are they going to put them over the top? Why do we have to put all of our eggs in these specific baskets? Like, is there not another player that can do that same thing potentially better on on either of those positions? Like, why are these guys so special? And why do... Because we drafted Jake so high or because Gaudet, we don't want to give up? Like... Guess what? Sometimes guys get traded. Sometimes guys get signed elsewhere, and that that happens. And they're not always like, you know, we get the warm and fuzzies about certain players. Well, guess what? Guys get traded all the time. How many guys have been traded? Like, I know, Brady, we were chatting about, you know, a Max Domi potential trade, and maybe we can get into, you know, if there's a fit there. But, like, you look at there's, – there's guys that get traded all the time that everybody gets the feels for. Like – the Canucks are our team, and we love them to pieces. But I mean, they're not exactly you know the collection of the greatest players ever assembled. I love, <laughs> like I love Brock Besser, and I I really hope that he pans out. But guess what? If the Canucks can make a trade that puts them over the top and gets them scoring consistent scoring that we're going to see in the playoffs, that's going to contribute to a, an a eventual Stanley Cup run. Guess what? You know what? I, I have to say at that point, you know what? I then then make a trade. I love Todd Bertuzzi and I was really hoping that he would be a Stanley Cup champion with the Canucks. Pavel Bure, same thing. Guess what? You get attached to these guys. It doesn't mean that you can't get rid of them or make a trade for better value. We don't have to hitch our wagon to every single player that's ever played for this team. Like eventually guys are gonna move on, good or bad. You know, they've walked away from guys that 
we couldn't believe they traded and some of them ended up sucking after the fact so you know you talk you know we were all hitched well why did they get rid of jared mccann or why did they get rid of um you know at the time hunter Carrick or why did we trade eddie lack when we did or why do like there's there's tons of scenarios and this is just the canucks i'm talking about but i just don't get why we have to be so sold on a guy like jake for or a guy like adam godette or maybe there's going to be someone else that we're going to put into that basket it just to me like sometimes guys we have to move on and there are other players that are going to take that spot there's my rant I mean, just to quickly, I don't know, kind of add to that. I mean, I think there are other players on this roster that, you know, we want to move on from. But the yes. difference between Vertan and, and Gaudet is the fact that the guys we want to move on from have fat contracts that nobody else wants. Yes. It's, it's, Ryan, it's not that Jake Vertanen and Adam Gaudet are world beaters and they're going to push this team over the top. It's that they're young productive players that are on the cheap. We just talked about how you need to have guys on your roster that can score you 21 goals and don't cost you three and a half million bucks. Right? Like that's literally what Jake Furtana does. Aside from the fact that you can play him wherever you want, aside from the fact that you can move Godet to center or wing or the bench or bring him in at a pinch. Right? Um, it's, it's people don't like the idea of having to move your nice things away from you because you have you're in debt with some other things. I don't I don't want to have to sell the nice things that I have because I'm in debt with other things. That that sucks. Like that's what people don't want to do. People don't want to see the people who don't want to see Jake go or Godek go. They don't want to see them go because we're saddled with a with a Jay Beagle or we're saddled with a Louis Erickson or we're saddled with a Brandon Sutter. Those are the pieces that suck. If we didn't have those guys here and we had <laughs> We had two any other fourth line centers because let's be honest, that's what those two guys are. They're fourth line centers. Yep. If we had any other fourth line centers that were making fourth line money, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We really wouldn't. We'd we'd be fine plodding along with with two thirty five point wingers that are making a mill, a schmill, or just under a mill, uh, and still looking like pretty productive players. Now, don't get me wrong expectations will always follow Jake around based on where he was drafted, but that's not his fault. He's still a no. productive player. Uh, but you hit the nail on the head, Brady, like th- this, this is happening because of the other garbage and other less deserving players that are on this roster that don't deserve to be here. Yeah, and I think for the record, like I've, I've had enough of Jake for Tannen. I think it's time to move on from him. Um, but on top of that, like a reason I wouldn't want to move away from Adam Goddard yet is because you're probably not going to find a cheaper or better uh, third line center option. And I, I, for me, I just don't see the Canucks uh, bringing Brandon Sutter back next year or Jay Beagle. I mean, I think one of them has to go. And I mean, to have Goddard uh, in that position, I think is probably your best bet moving forward. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not that, oh, I'm going to let Ted go, but he's, he's miming himself. Sorry, I uh, I'll disagree, and I will say I don't think Goddard can play the role of third line center. I think he's I mean I, for... I think he's a, a second line offensive player, and he's probably not defensive capable to play the third line center role. That that's just right now. I don't know where he sits in the future. From what I've seen, I would not think that. But but this team does need a viable third line center that doesn't cost four and a half million bucks. You're right, hundred percent. I just think for the meantime, for like one season or until they find someone else in another trade, I just think I think he can handle the position 
uh, in the meantime, if they're if they're going to try to get rid of a guy like Sutter. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Goddard is more of a winger. I just sure. I just don't see that. You know, we all want to see change. We want to see them make that next step. And you know, I see you guys arguing about why. You know, you know, we still need to have Goddard. And maybe like again for a season, maybe it's a one year deal, and they want to see what they can get out of him. And uh, don't get me wrong, I don't want to see talent get wasted. If all of a sudden we are a year or two away from you know one of these guys you know, potentially finally hitting their peak of, of where this is going to go. But I, I just, I don't like the idea that, and take all the bad contracts aside, that we're looking at guys that have to be paid. You know, wh- why do we have to continue to stick with these guys? So I, I see what you're saying. And I, and it doesn't, I'm not necessarily saying just these two, but it's, this is this ever, ever evolving question that, still stays the same somehow like there's always stop, stop yelling at us jeez no i don't want well, to well i do i do think that i do think that if we had you know if it was easier if it was easy for benning to just tear away the whole bottom six and replace everybody i think he'd be doing it just the fact is he can't so he has to go he has to turn to the options he has at hand I, yeah and ted we we chatted about this earlier today you're right jim benning needs to shut up he cannot do another inter- like, and I think he's got an interview. T- is it tomorrow morning or was it today? Oh, it's, it's I'm terrified. Like, I'm terrified. He can't talk well, who, anymore. Who's he talking to? I think he's on TSN. Oh, he is. He's on tomorrow on uh, Donnie the Moj tomorrow morning. You can't. You, yeah, you can't have that man talking anymore. <laughs> like he, his wait a sec guy does not exist. They're like, oh, it'll be okay. And then he's going to go and say something that's totally going to handcuff the Canucks into making some sweetheart deal for the player. Clearly not for the team. Like it's ridiculous. He's done it when it came to the tampering of uh, that potential PK Subban move. He's done it oh. with like, obviously with Vertanen saying like, oh, we really didn't like his game. Like regardless of what you actually think, this is a game. The, the side that you're paying these guys is a game. And if you show your hand at any point before, you know, it's too late, like he's already proven it's too late. He's already said all the things that he shouldn't have said. And you can't go back on that. You can't just forget. Oh, I, I people uh, don't forget. People don't forget. Exactly. People don't forget. It just it drives me crazy that he's allowed to just go out there like I can't even imagine like even I bet even Wisebrod probably like, bud. You can't Bro. say that. You you can't. Probably not though. Probably not. You're right. So <laughs> it's it just I like I look and I think like there's a reason that this team is going to continue to falter and they've they've done some good things but man it is looking harder and harder for them to continue. It definitely is. To, somehow to looks so. harder. How, some year, somehow a, another year has passed and it looks harder. It's it's crazy. So um anyway I I don't think we needed dudes and guys this week. We kind of went pretty hard last week with uh I think every possible dude and every possible guy. Um good news though I got a PS4. So we're gonna yeah, get it coming over to play Tony Hawk. We're gonna and I got Tony Hawk today. So yeah, uh, you gotta tell me how how's Tony Hawk, man? I, yeah, I, it's I, all I, about I, Eric Coston and Pop Shovitz. I, I yeah, have, man, let us know. I haven't even played yet, so I've been talking to you, Yahoo. So um, we're gonna. I think we're gonna be getting like a Twitch channel, the PP One Podcast. So we're gonna be able to do some gaming. Uh, maybe we'll do like a game night now that hockey will take a break for all of us anyway. Um, and we'll, Ted, you and I definitely need to get away from our kids and Brady again, away from the books. So, uh, maybe we'll get some chell going when that comes out and, uh, on the Dean Blundell network, um, guys, 
there's also huge stuff going on on uh, Dean Blundell's network there. Like I had a chat with him this afternoon and uh, it's going to be a crazy year coming up. I think uh, if you haven't saddled up with us yet, folks, I mean, get ready because we're about to we're about to go popcorn ready. We're about to go big and uh, you ain't going to want to miss us. We got some pretty cool guests coming up, too, um, but we're not going to bring those up yet. Keep those still secret. Um, guys, I guess, uh, any final words, Brady? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I did want to talk a little earlier about just kind of meeting up with a few different podcasts over the weekend. I was able to meet up with Canucks Speakeasy, uh, Area 51, and Chris Faber from Canucks Conversation. So it was pretty neat to uh, get together and do a podcast for the first time in person in over seven months. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm really filling my boots here in Vancouver and I, I can't, can't wait to see what happens next. We saw all your, your masks. Cup, we saw all the masks too. Well done. Well, way to, uh, way to be. Yeah. We didn't want to get public shamed for that. So yeah. <laughs> through the masks on Ted, uh, what do you got? What do you got up to, uh, the next little bit? Uh, I don't know, man. I think we're just going to try to soak up the last bit of summer here. I think we're still getting 30, 30 plus degree days here. There's probably another beach day or two in the future. Uh, and that theme basically since this whole thing started, try to get the paddleboard out a few more times. Oh yeah. We got to figure out if you're going to do that trip or not. Uh-huh. We, we might need to do that. Um, for me, I'm going to just start doing some video games because I need to get back into feeling like a kid for a little while because my kids have felt like kids for way too long. So Hence Tony Hawk. Hence Tony Hawk. Oh, I, I, what is it, 9.30 right now? Yeah, I might be gaming until midnight potentially. So it's going to be wicked. You should, uh, you should totally game share with me. I'd love to play that. How do I give you the game? Is that how that works? Well, I believe with every game you can buy, yeah. you're allowed to share it. With, you're allowed to share it with one other person. Oh, um, I'm just—I've never done it personally, but there is a way. So hmm. it's just a kind of a way to split costs, right? So I mean, that's a commitment. And Ted's showing me up his nostrils. Well done. Did you pluck Ted? <laughs> they're just—they're just always that that way. Oh, nice. Get a little nougat in there. Um, yeah, so that's me. Um, you guys, thank you so much for listening. This has been a blast. I don't even know what episode we're on. I don't even care, but you'll find out in the rundown. Um, on behalf of Brady and Ted, I'm Ryan. You've been listening to another episode of the PB1 podcast. Get it wherever podcasts are sold. Have a great week, folks. Peace out. I think our slogan should probably be, uh, people don't forget at this point, eh? I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. 
and Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.